0: Suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. The Sheila Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, end-time watchwoman, Sheila Zelensky. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this June 29th, Monday edition of the Sheila Zelensky Show. It is great to be back on the air instead of doing rebroadcasts. As most of you know, I took 10 days off to work on my final edition of my book. There was some new information that arose in light of the Pope's issuance of the climate cyclical that we did not expect until sometime in July. And so just the fact that it came out a lot earlier than expected, it was very relevant to my book. And so I'm very happy with the final edition of my book that went into the copy editor. And the book should be released sometime in July. I will keep everyone posted. They've given me a couple different dates, but I'm sort of thinking mid-July is when the book is officially going to be out. So I'm really looking forward to everyone reading this book. I think you'll be very happy with it. Well, I have a terrific lineup this week, folks, and today is no exception. He really needs no introduction, but for the new listeners, Paul McGuire is the highly acclaimed author of 26 books, A pastor of Paradise Mountain Church and television commentator on the Fox News Network, a former syndicated radio talk show host, and the History Channel has done two specials with Paul. He is an internationally recognized expert on globalism, Bible prophecy, and current events. McGuire has interviewed military generals, presidents, and prime ministers from around the world, and the former prime minister of Israel met with McGuire after reading his book, Are You Ready? And he joins me today to weigh in on what is going on in the world, and to talk about, of course, his new book, Mass Awakening, and what that means for you. Paul, welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to have you back on.
1: Sheila, it's great to be back in your program, and I, I continually get emails from all over the world, uh, from people who tell me, up until recently, that I, I first heard you. I heard you on Sheila's program, so it's a delight to be with you.
0: Well, maybe it's the last couple months or maybe the last eight weeks, but I really feel this conviction in my spirit, a really strong escalation. I think everybody feels that something's going on this fall, but there's a real urgency that I have, Paul, to really start shouting from the rooftops at what is coming and really wake people up here because we've got a totally globally orchestrated meltdown happening in front of us, and yet. Are you surprised at the amount of people that are just in a coma?
1: That's a, that's a good word for it. Uh, I am I am eternally surprised uh, about the people who are in a coma because, as you know, you know we have the, the Greek crisis meltdown, which will, which could spread through the EU, which will spread to the U.S. and have devastating economic results. We have uh, the very high possibility of war breaking out either in the Middle East or Russia, Ukraine. I mean, there's just so many things happening that are extremely dangerous. And they're, they're not, you know, alarmist. Uh, they're, they're real possibilities. But like you said, Sheila, people are in a coma. And it's more than that, though. You know, um, you look at the, what I call the pseudo-conservative TV network. Um, they don't claim to be conservative anymore, but they they still... Attract a large conservative uh, following, and then you have all the pseudo conservative radio talk show hosts, and they're always talking about either, either they're talking about uh, Bruce Jenner or some uh, politician and sexual molestation and whatever but it's never they're never talking about the real issues the, the so-called big name uh, radio talk show hosts you know they, they're bombastic they thunder about the Constitution the Bill of Rights. But it doesn't mean anything if they never talk about who's really orchestrating this. So, in my opinion, we have a lot of fraudulent media, and that—that that is probably the primary reason there's so many people in a coma.
0: If there is ever a telltale sign that a momentous set of events is soon to take place, this really is it. We've got, as you said, the rumblings in the Middle East. Follow the money, which at this time just so happens to be shifting to physical assets of real value in anticipation of the next leg of the global reset. The nation of Greece is in absolute turmoil with an IMF payment default already under their belt, the massive riots proliferating. Yet, even with the chaos reigning, Paul, throughout the entire region, members of the Greek government are now in St. Petersburg finalizing a pipeline deal. I guess this could mark the beginning of a new alliance between between Russia, Greece, and the BRICS, could it not?
1: Yeah, it could, because, because uh, you know, there's a war against the U.S. dollar and the BRICS nations, including Russia and China and other nations, Iran, etc., cetera, very much want to topple the U.S. dollar. So um, the, the thing that's, that is so uh, dangerous here, though, is that... Um, it's not because, you know, I'm an American and, you know, I'm promoting the dollar as the world's currency. But the, the dollar as the world's currency, with, that, with all its faults, has been somewhat of a stabilizing factor. If you pull that out, the whole system could could crumble. And, um, you know, the media, I talked about what I call the pseudo-conservative media. But the rest of the media, with the average American and probably Canadian and European is is watching and listening to is just it's just trivial nonsense and and so they they are completely clueless the the very things that you're talking about are um, they're not even on the radar screen of the average American or Canadian or European today and that's that's the, the problem The people you just look at anybody's Facebook page most people's Facebook page is just it's, you know it's, it's their nice conversations I guess but it's all about trivia they have no and the thing that's the saddest is people who call themselves Christians the overwhelming percentage of them are, are so clueless they're in a coma you know your word for it so that's, that's I'm very concerned about that because how can you first of all how can you pray for a nation how can you seek God's guidance if you're in a coma?
0: Well, and you're under a fog of deception, too, because one guy asked him what Jade Helm was, and he thought it was a new restaurant. I mean, I thought, this is just, you know, they yeah, think... I believe it. Yeah, um, they think the TPP is toilet paper. I mean, they are really... It's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it is unbelievable. It's horrible. I don't want to give away names here, but, but let's just say somebody I know was looking at a friend's uh, Facebook page. We were discussing this yesterday, last night, and this particular person is an elder in their church. Uh, I used to be a member of that church uh, a number of years ago. And they, they've been elders in that church, I don't know, for 24 years. Now, I had a conversation with these people, the husband and the wife, uh, I guess five or six years ago, about, you know, somehow we ended up talking about prophecy and the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne of judgment and, and key, key themes in the book of Revelation. And after being elders in this, this is a famous, famous evangelical church. um, These elders didn't have any clue as to what I was talking about. They were completely ignorant. And then yesterday, this individual, who happened to be a female, I don't even know if that's relevant, but the thing is, she said, she rambles off something about, don't listen to strange voices. This woman has no idea uh, about what the things that you're talking about completely it's like she's like in a coma so that begs the question what is she being taught in her church and, and people what they're being taught in their churches and they're being taught in, their, in, in the media they're being taught nothing they're, they're completely oblivious and um, in a moment I'll explain why that's so dangerous but th- that's the spiritual battle we're facing I think the spiritual battle we're facing is not only spiritual deception but there's like a veil over the eyes of so many people they're they're in a coma or the bible would say they're spiritually asleep and when you're asleep or in a coma you you are not an effective agent for love or good or anything else you're just a wall
0: well and jesus did say occupy until i come and i find it's very convenient that these people in the mainstream megachurches, you know, with Howdy Doody there at Lakewood Lucre, you know, it's, <laughs> in, it's incredible that these guys, like the Creflo Dollar Bill, and he got his $70 million plane, by the way.
1: <laughs> he, what, after all that outrage, he, he had the, you know what, to buy that jet?
0: He did so. You know, and that's the thing. It's planes, trains, automobiles. I mean, these guys have reduced God to some cosmic lottery bellhop, and it's really quite frightening What's really stunning is, I don't know if you saw this article, Paul, I just found this article, it's from The Telegraph, and it literally says that the Bible is, this is Sheila paraphrasing, the Bible will soon be outlawed, essentially. Cameron's extreme orders could criminalize traditional Christianity. So it's just, it's quite alarming what's happening. There really is this, Tom Horn's book, Blood on the Altar, says the coming war, Christian versus Christian. There's really a line in the sand now being drawn with Christians that'll stand up for the truth and the ones that are just, you know, off in their little cotton candy coma, right?
1: Well, I think, I think you're, you're making a very good point. It's, it's a very painful thing uh, to come to terms with because we all have friends that we've known for years that we assumed were walking with the Lord like we were, and yet at some point they decided to distance themselves from the truth. So you know, there, there's this separation. It's it's happening now between, as you said, this candy-coated uh, counterfeit gospel and uh, a remnant of believers who really love the Lord and who are seeking His face and reading His word. There's a big separation. So already there are massive sections of the Bible being censored in our society. Um, For example, you know, when, when when Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. That would probably be considered a politically incorrect statement. Could even be construed as hate speech because the implication is you can't get into heaven except through Jesus Christ. And there are, you know, hundreds of scriptures like that that are already censored in our society. I think people are in for a rude awakening because I think we're on the very verge of a very intense wave of persecution against the true church, which is those people who love the Lord and his word. The counterfeit church or the cotton candy church that you're talking about, they won't suffer persecution because they're not they're not preaching the gospel. They're sprinkling some Jesus words on secular humanism or a psychological motivational message. But since they're not really preaching the gospel and they're not really serving the Lord, even though they claim to be, uh, they won't won't be persecuted because the enemy, the spiritual enemy, is delighted with the message they're preaching because the message they're preaching is keeping people asleep.
0: And what's really stunning is when you have a very... Powerful ripple effect that's going to come. This big global economic crisis, you've got, as you mentioned, the EU could tumble. The battle is really on to replace the dollar as the de facto world currency. But, you know, when you look at the undisclosed trade treaties these secret bills classified legislation these hucksters are passing stuff it's you know it's like nancy pelosi said of obamacare well let's just sign it and then we'll figure out what's in it it's absolutely stunning what these guys get away with it's lie after lie they're destroying the country peace by it's like death by a thousand cuts and look around america right now look at detroit if that is not a post-apocalyptic scenario i don't know what is Uh well beyond the typical greece iran middle east nato russia narrative you've got this whole globalization thing happening and now you've got china there's this europe nato you know china is of course beefing up their arsenal there's a sort of post cold war looking nato scenario i mean the end game, the destruction of paper money. I mean, how do people, I'm not sure how they're missing this. Well, they're
1: missing it because they're, they're, they're in a psychological state of disassociation from it. They're, they're not listening to discussions like this. They're in trance with Bruce Jenner's sex change operation or what the Kardashians are doing or whatever. So that it's not even on their radar screen, but here's the thing that's so, um, so disturbing. So we, We take the trade treaties, which are not being covered by the media, except in in lip service. The Bilderberg Group is not being covered in the media at all, except maybe a mention. And I'm talking about the conservative media, too. You can take 10 of the biggest uh, so-called conservative radio talk shows, probably zero of them, or maybe one of them, has talked about Bilderberg in detail. Now why wouldn't they talk about Bilderberg? They can't talk about Bilderberg because even though they claim to be conservatives, their mouths are muzzled because they are under the control of the six corporations that control all the media. So the the secret trade treaties, and this is because people in America especially have been dumbed down, they have no uh, concept of history, So if we go back to 1963 in Europe, they concocted a very clever plan, and using Nazi money to to launch it through the Bilderberg Group, and through the IMF, and through the World Bank, um, and a guy named Jean Monnet, who was one of the architects or fathers of the European Union, and I deal with this in my book, Mass Awakening, um, he said that we're, we're going to construct a European Union. Uh but but in order to do it, we're gonna pass a whole series of seemingly harmless trade treaties. So the first trade treaty was about steel and coal. And in every treaty, he would insert more and more legal language. So they started with the European common market, and then they ended up creating the European Union. But it was all done through these seemingly harmless trade treaty deals. So then the European uh, nations individually and the people of Europe, like the people of France or, or, or Greece or Germany or whatever, they woke up and realized that they had lost all their rights, but it was done through seemingly harmless trade treaties. So we have the same mechanism now being uh, used in the United States of America, through seemingly harmless trade treaties, but they're not harmless. This latest trade treaty, with the fast-track uh, legislation, and when you when you read <clears throat> what's really in the Trade Treaty, and I deal with this in Mass Awakening and the Prophecy of the Future of America, what's really in it is a push for global government, global governance. that had nothing to do with the Trade Treaty, but they're snuck into the Trade Treaty. And so what will happen through the Trade Treaties, it will destroy and erode america's sovereignty so that we america will come under the rulership of a global government or let's say a north american union in the same way the european union took over and then the people of america and the people in all these howdy duty churches with howdy duty preachers are going to wake up and find that they've lost their rights they can't vote or protest or or speak out because the globalists did and run around the constitution Dealing with trade treaties, so you would think they were waking up now. I mean, the middle class in America has lost about forty percent. I'm being conservative. Forty percent of its net worth yes. since 2008. That means that's almost half of your net worth. The average American's net worth, retirement pensions, value in houses, etc., was slashed in about half from 2008. You would think that would cause people to wake up, but no, they're still going to howdy doody churches in a coma. And the globalists haven't finished. You use Detroit as a, a illustration. That's a great illustration. You know, It's like Robocop. That is a direct result of the trade treaties that the Republicans championed in the 1990s uh, with Newt Gingrich, fake conservative Republican. He's always been a fake conservative. So the Republican Party in the 1990s had a contract with America, promoted GAFTA and NAFTA, GATT and all kinds of things, and said, oh, this is going to cause an economic boom for Americans. So we go back from the 1990s. We lost uh, 55,000 manufacturing factories, went overseas since the 1990s, and we lost 3 million high-paying manufacturing jobs, which would be a lot of auto industry jobs. So America has been raped and pillaged economically because of the trade treaties the Republicans promoted in the 1990s. And Detroit is a living example of what those trade treaties, and it was done under it's going to give us great economic prosperity, really did to us. So now we have the second round of trade treaties, and they're lying once again and saying it's going to cause economic prosperity, we're going to see even more Detroits and more impact on the middle class. So I guess for these Christians that are in a coma, most of them are probably not going to wake up till it's too late. And uh, I'm not I'm not optimistic of, of them coming out of their coma. I think some will, but I think the majority of them are going to stay in their coma.
0: You mentioned Bilderberg earlier, and I thought, wow, there was certainly a, an eclectic mishmash of the uber scientists and the technocracy sitting at the list of the Bilderberg attendees, of course we had Google executives and think about nanotech, biotech, the transhumanism. It's amazing to me that they're already fusing these man-machine post-human cyborgs with synthetic biology so it's really quite interesting that that seems to be on the table. Now in your book you also talk about the convergence of these, I call them occult based technologies, that involve psychotropic drugs and chip implants and DNA and super AI and the transhumanism with the computer brain interface. Talk about this idea that these are cult based technologies for people, Paul.
1: Well, Sheila, I'm glad you asked that question and this this many of your listeners are going to be up to speed on this and and they I hope they give them a copy of the show. But chances are that the majority of their friends are not up to speed on this. And this, this is, um, this, the human mind always seeks equilibrium. The human mind always seeks the status quo, even if the status quo is a lie. Now, now that's a psychological principle. And I can hear some people saying, why are you talking about a psychological principle? Because some psychological principles are true. So for example, to give the illustration of of a woman who's married to a man, and the man is molesting, let's say, the six-year-old daughter upstairs in the bedroom. But the wife pretends not to know. And the reason she pretends not to know is because it's easier for her to deal with a lie that, that keeps a psychological norm than to face a very ugly truth, which would require a psychological upset. So you see people constantly gravitating towards a denial of reality because they feel comfortable in it. Now, having said that, if we really take the Bible seriously and we read, for example, uh, the Apostle Paul's words in Ephesians, which says, For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and the dark, unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places. If we take that seriously, which we should, and we apply that to politics and geopolitics, then what I'm about to say um, integrates perfectly with the Word of God and shouldn't be surprising to anybody. And as you know, in my book, A Prophecy of the Future of America and Mass Awakening, I go through this in great detail. Our world is currently ruled, and this is hard for people to to assimilate, by a scientific dictatorship or a scientific elite. Now, people who don't understand this, they immediately reject that, verbiage, thinking it's untrue, but it is true, because the people who are members of the scientific release have openly wrote about it in public and in highly respected journals and scientific institutions and recorded speeches that are available. I mean, I'm not pulling this from an Area 51 website. So we take a man, uh, well, let's not take Aldous Huxley of Brave New World for a moment, Uh, but he was one of the architects of this. The, so I, well actually I want to retract here, and I, I do want to mention Alice Huxley. Alice Huxley came to America in 1936. He was a member of the Dionysian cult of the Sun, uh, ISIS in England. He was a, a British intellectual. Julian Huxley was his brother and his father, they were heads of UNESCO and the, and the UN, not be the, uh, the United Nations and all kinds of stuff. He was also a disciple of H.G. Wells, one of the Fabian socialists. So when Aldous Huxley first came here in 1936, he lived in Lookout Mountain. I was living in Lookout Mountain years ago when I first came here in Hollywood, in the Hollywood Hills. And he disseminated uh, the psychedelic drug LSD, excuse me, mescaline. Then uh, years later, he came back to America and he made a speech at the University of California, Berkeley, to a convention of neuropsychiatrists and neurological scientists. And in front of this this, uh, assembly of neuropsychiatrists, he talked about the truly effective scientific dictatorship where men and women would learn to love their slavery. Now, you take that and you recognize that here's one of the most powerful elitists in the world. and He's telling you that there is a scientific dictatorship. You take Brzezinski, uh, who was one of the founders of the Trilateral Commission, a right-hand man for um, Rockefeller and a secretary of uh, state and high-level advisor with numerous presidents. In 1976, Rzinski wrote a book, and he has said it in numerous books, but going back into the early 1970s, Rzinski openly called for the use of psychotronic weapons on the population, which are essentially technological mind control weapons. So the reality is we have a scientific elite that hides behind governing structures structures, and uses mass propaganda, social engineering, advertising principles, and technologies that most people don't even believe exist uh, to subjugate the population and keep them in that coma state you're talking about while they run the world. Now, as as you move the veil, remove the veil even deeper. You go back to the late eighteen hundreds in England with the Fabian socialists, in the early nineteen hundreds, like Bertrand Russell, who was an atheist. He hated Christianity. He was a mathematician. Uh, H. G. Wells, uh, um, Huxley, and others—they all claimed to be atheists, but in reality, secretly, without anybody knowing about it. They were deeply involved in the occult. So to make a long story short, but to illustrate it, if you flip over the back of the U.S. dollar, you see the pyramid with the all-seeing eye of Lucifer, which is a symbol of the Illuminati. And in, and you see the all-seeing eye of Horos or Lucifer at the top of the dollar bill, and you see the words Nuvos or Seclurum or New Order of the Ages at the bottom of the dollar bill. Well, what that symbol is saying, it's, it's a visual illustration of the fact that we live in, under the rule of an occult dictatorship. But it, it's, a, it's, it's done on a need-to-know basis. It's only the people at the toppest level of the pyramid who understand that there are an elite group of people who are literally worshipping Lucifer and carrying out Lucifer's instructions, in creating this one world government, one world economic system, and one world religion. Now Hitler was also backed by a secret occult party. So having said all that, if we go back to Ephesians, where Paul, the Apostle Paul, says we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and the dark unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places, then when we're going to analyze history, we need to analyze history on a multi-dimensional level which would include the spiritual world so it should not be strange to any christian who bothers to actually think and study history that at the top of the organizational pyramid there is an illuministic or an illuminati elite or a luciferian elite that is ruling the world that isn't far-fetched that's not some conspiracy theory that's simply what the Bible is teaching and integrating it with history. And that's what most Christians can't embrace because, and the root of it is, the root of it is they can't embrace history. They, they can't understand current events because they're trying to perceive current events from the grid or the perception that they were taught in their public school systems versus perceiving reality through the lens of the scripture. And that's why, God talks about the renewing of our minds. If we renewed our minds with the Word of God, then we would look upon reality and we would understand the reality of spiritual warfare and economics and geopolitics. But because the average Christian is really perceiving reality more like a humanist than a truly biblical Christian who has a renewed mind... The net result of this is that they have entered spiritual deception and that they're in that coma state. I know that's a lot. I know you understand it. I know a lot of your listeners understand it. But if I was to walk into uh, a Howdy Doody church, as you referred to, uh, they would look at me like like I had just dropped a hand grenade in the room. I mean, they, they couldn't get it.
0: It's interesting because you mentioned, of course, Aldous and Julius Huxley, they were in cahoots with Bertrand Russell, and they really introduced this idea of a, as you mentioned, the global scientific dictatorship by means of eugenics. And what's the interesting piece of this is they wanted to make mankind essentially slaves through... Mass psychology. So, when you want to make people love their slavery, because again, think about the fact that once they completed their scientific dictatorship, it would really be hard to abolish. And people have to understand that eugenicists are using tools like genetic manipulation and technology. They use population control and genetics and environmentalism and everything else, but their aim really is. To absolute dominate the public through subjugation, isn't it?
1: Yes, it is. And, and then, and, and when we listen to what you just said, and I happen to agree with it, uh, their goal is to subjugate the population through mind control. That is when the average American or Canadian and European hears those words. And I'm talking about people that <clears throat> grew up and started, you know, were born in the 50s. It's even harder for people who who were born in the 60s or the 70s or 80s to to understand it, but it's still hard for people who who were born in the 50s to understand it. Because scientific mind control is so real and so uh, subtle and so effective, when you tell people the truth, that they are being controlled uh, by propaganda or social engineering or whatever, they reject that because it's too disturbing to their to their psychological norm. But the reality is, it's true, it's kind of like, you know, you believe the world's flat and then somebody comes to you and say, says, well, the world isn't flat, it really is round. A lot of people are still going to reject it. Now, here's here's though the root that's even deeper than the geopolitical, because we can take documentation. I mean, I have documentation in all of my books, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Uh, Mass Awakening, and there's a brand new book coming out that is packed with documentation because my co-author is a Pulitzer Prize nominated journalist, and he painstakingly documented in this book coming out in October, uh, The Babylon Code, painstakingly put in journalistic documentation. And everything that you and I are discussing can be documented from mainstream credible sources about this scientific elite ruling our society. So right now, this scientific elite rules society. And let's give a simple example of how that works. Um, well, let's talk about the food supply. Uh, the GMO uh, foods, genetically modified organism foods, um, You know, they powerfully control the food industry. That food is causing people to die early. It's causing people to get fat early. It's causing uh, epidemic and diabetes. If people think that diabetes and cancer and heart attacks and uh, dementia and Alzheimer's are, are are just normal aging, they're ignorant. Those are those are the byproducts of a contaminated food supply. And the scary thing is, there is a plan. And I know this sounds like hyper conspiratorial, but there's a plan. To expose people to this uh, GMO food, so that they'll die quicker, and people will say, "Well, that's a conspiracy theory." No, it isn't, because when you read the writings of Bertrand Russell, a Fabian socialist, and the others, when they planned out this new society, they openly said that they they were going to terminate people at an earlier age through either war, through radiation, sterilization, uh, euthanasia, or whatever. So that's that's part of the plan. And then when you read um, Huxley's novel, Brave New World, he's telling you in this science fiction novel, this utopian novel, what the plan is. And in that novel, people love their slavery. They're under scientific mind control. But there's a case system of Alpha, Beta, uh, uh, Delta individuals who are genetically bred to be rulers, to be managers, or to be like slave workers. And what people don't understand, and this is what, what was some of the topics that were very subtly flirted with at the Bilderberg meeting, uh, the secret the secret agenda of transhumanism that is not being discussed is they intend to create this global feudal state. But they're going to genetically breed people to be workers to love their servitude, and they're going to genetically breed a managerial class, and then of course, an elite class. But concurrent with the genetic breeding is a social engineering indoctrination educational process that reinforces this. So the goal is cradle-to-grave planning from government where they will choose your child's career through psychological testing, perhaps when they're in kindergarten. The government, as it did in Nazi Germany, will map out your child's career path And determine probably in kindergarten whether your son or daughter is going to be an auto mechanic or a CEO or a musician or a painter or whatever. And then they're going to educate them in such a way that they're content at whatever program level the government decides. And that's the purpose of Common Core and all the other educational things. It's to dumb down people and and create slave classes that are very content and very happy in subservient positions. And again, you know, I, I think about this howdy duty uh, howdy duty preachers and uh, what else? cotton candy mega churches, you know, these cotton candy mega churches and these howdy duty preachers, they are part of the brainwashing process because they p- keep people They don't preach the truth of the gospel. They don't teach the Bible. They keep people doped up on mind control. And I think it's criminal. You know, God has a plan for every man and woman. The word of God says he knew you before the foundation of the world to be here for such a time as this. So God has a plan for every child, your son or your daughter, for every one of your listeners. God has a plan for their life. And yet Lucifer... Is going to steal, rob, and kill and destroy that plan for your children's life by having an authoritarian government come in, and the authoritarian government will decide your child's destiny. Well, we, we all know that in kindergarten and, and first grade and so on and so forth, children change radically. You can't determine that a child can only be a mechanic or you know a college professor in, in first grade. You, you know, that's that's playing God, and it's destroying the destiny of a lot of people. It's very, very evil.
0: Your book, Babylon Code, by the way, sounds fantastic. Now, speaking of ancient Babylon, I want to take what you just said about mind control a little further here, because this really is part of, and that's why I mentioned ancient Babylon, when you have a very deeply occultic system of illusion and magic and witchcraft and sorcery and pretty much full spectrum control i mean really once the globalists have control of the media and then they can utilize the principles of classic and operant conditioning a normalcy bias really does set in and it really pervades the belief system of people in the west i believe and the people become really convinced there cannot be conspiracies. So if you mention Benghazi, Fast and Furious, Jade Helm, TPP, they're they're just sort of classically conditioned to ignore anything which smacks of a conspiracy. And of course, what did George Bush say? Let, let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories. So... What would have sent millions of Americans to the street before the advent of TV now just rolls right over the heads of most Americans. So get into that deeply occultic system of illusion, magic, and witchcraft and how that affects people, Paul.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, you, you said it very correctly, through operative conditioning and other psychological processes. And I can imagine people doubting this, you know, and saying, oh, You know, this is conspiratorial. No, they need to do their homework. They can read my books or whatever. But, you know, I have quotes by Theodore Adorno, uh, a psychologist who who was uh, an expert in propaganda and advertising. And his work goes way back to the 30s and before that. And he's the guy, uh, among other things, in terms of mind control, he, he worked for the advertising industry and he persuaded women that it was sexy to smoke cigarettes. So back in the 30s, that's why all the female stars in the old movies were smoking cigarettes. He, he, obviously, cigarettes deteriorate the face. They cause cancer and everything else. But he convinced women that smoking cigarettes was sexy because it's a conditioning process. So back back to this occult uh, control grid. If we take the Bible seriously, which most Christians don't, <clears throat> we see that there are there – are teachings in the Bible. I deal with this in Mass Awakening and the new book, The Babylon Code and uh, Prophecy of the Future of America. And so I'll introduce part of it as quickly as I can. You go back to Babylon. Babylon was the first world's one world government, one world economic system, and one world religion. The purpose of the Tower of Babel or the Tower of Babel uh, was the translation for that is Gate of the God. So it was an interdimensional portal to allow entities or fallen angels to come into the earth because Nimrod was a Nephilim and so it's an interdimensional portal and they, when they worship the, the host of heaven it was an occult system and that's why mystery Babylon which is reintroduced in the Bible in Revelation 17 and 18 reappe- reappears in the last days so the, it is the Babylonian or, or world system of control which allows Lucifer, since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, to run this planet. Now, the Bible says that whenever God's people, so whether it's the children of Israel or whether it's Christians, whenever they follow the Lord, they they don't have idols, they study the Word, they obey the Word of God, and that they read the Word of God, and they're diligent to obey it, uh, as it says in Deuteronomy 28, they will have freedom, they'll be blessed, god will protect them and they'll be protected from these luciferian forces but to the degree that they reject god's word and worship idols and start behaving and thinking and acting like the world system they go into slavery that's the whole history of the bible from genesis to revelation now going back to babylon what allowed lucifer to control the people was their rebellion from god adam and eve rejected god's word caused the death force, the law of sin and death to be activated, and the human race went into slavery. So this control grid of Mystery Babylon begins in the Tower of Babel, but then it continues on. So it goes into the Pharaoh God-King system. And and so the Pharaoh is perceived as a god, and he's also a political king, and the children of Israel are working, or the children of God, are, are working as slaves under the world system and being treated worse and worse and worse. And that system also involved, as it did in Babylon, magic, science, and the occult. Uh, Those magicians and wizards in ancient Egypt, when God sent the plagues, when Moses was there, they, they were able to access real supernatural forces, as did the people in the Tower of Babel. And when Daniel, later on, is dealing with another occult political power system, which is Babylon later on, and he's interpreting the dreams of the king of Babylon and his descendant, and he has a dream about the the four uh, world empires that are to come in the future. He's right in the middle of the king of Babylon's occultic political power structure. And the same thing with Joseph, when he goes into Egypt, and he's sold into slavery by his brothers, and he is raised up by god in Egypt. It's it's the pharaoh god-king system and he, he interprets a p- prophetic dream of seven years of economic plenty and seven years of economic um, uh, deprivation, foods, food supply. Um, god raises him up to protect the children of Israel but, but we can't forget that Joseph and Daniel were both thrust right into the center of highly powerful political slash occultic power structures. Now, these power structures have continued on throughout history. You can see the archaeological relics of the the Mayans and the Incans. You can see the archaeological relics in China and all around the world. And then you fast forward and you see the same archaeological um, evidence of this occult power system when you see the layout of Washington DC with the the phallic uh, Washington Monument, which is, to be blunt, a a penis aimed towards the air, which goes back to Semiramis and Nimrod in the Tower of Babel. And then you see the dome, which represents the female womb in Washington. Then you see the mirror city of the Vatican. And again, you see the dome, which represents the womb. And then the phallic symbol again and you see the phallic symbol womb, all over the world in archeological monuments. Well, that phallic symbol in the womb goes right back to Babylon because in ancient Babylon, and I deal with this in the Babylon code extensively, in ancient Babylon, the mystery religion Babylon began with the birth of the mother goddess religion. And what happened was is that Semiramis, who was either a prostitute that Nimrod married. Some people think it was his mother. Uh, in any case, uh, she killed Nimrod um, by, dis- by-, by castrating him. And uh, she killed him because she was covering up her sexual affairs. And then she told the people that he had risen into the sky to become Ra, the sun god. And then she explained her illegitimate pregnancy before the people of Babylon by saying that uh, Nimrod had supernaturally impregnated her with a phallic symbol. And that begins this phallic symbol, Washington Monument religion, and the dome-womb structure uh, that's carried on under different names. So you have Nimrod's name, could be uh, Osiris, it could be Zeus, it could be... Uh, Apollyon and, and uh, Isis's name. And it's interesting. Isis, um, uh, 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 Nimrod's wife. Uh, her name is under Semiramis, Aphrodite. You know, Diana. The uh, statue of Liberty is is really it's Semiramis. So this occultic religion, which is very much in Great Britain with Freemasonry, the Illuminati, and the symbolism, is this. Behind the political system, behind the economic system, is a very powerful Luciferian occult system that has been passed down from ancient Babylon. So when we read it in Revelation 17 and 18, God is very clearly sending a message that Babylon the Great has returned and he's going to destroy it. But that's what we're living in. So if people actually read the Bible and believed it, what we're saying in our discussion would not be so far-fetched.
0: You know, you mentioned Nimrod, of course, and according to the book of Genesis, after the Great Flood, Nimrod was the king of the land of the two rivers, known as Shinar. He was the son of Cush, who was the son of Ham. And in the very same way, Paul, that the illuminated fraternities of today's believers think that they'll eventually be able to achieve mortality through the knowledge given by the angel of light, Nimrod also hoped to regain the power of knowledge bestowed by the watchers with The technological piece, obviously, it was retained from before the flood. He conspired to build a tower. You mentioned the Tower of Babel, and that would make a communication between men and the watchers because what's interesting is that the tower was an interdimensional conduit, if you will, that would once more bring the assistance of the watchers who would make men gods like themselves through the knowledge they provided, didn't they? Yeah,
1: you're right, and 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 because the vast majority of Christian churches don't read the Bible, don't teach the Bible, they never um, uncover the information we're talking about, which which has a solid biblical documentation for it. So when it says in Genesis, uh, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, that Jesus' words, excuse me, he, he was referring to the last days. Jesus referred to the last days as comparable to the days of Noah. And he was specifically referring to the return of the Nephilim because what caused the flood was not just mankind's wickedness. It was the it was the interbreeding, the interspecies breeding between fallen angels uh, who were attempting to mate with animals and human beings. And you say, well, how can you say, Paul, they were attempting to mate with animals? Well, that's, that's the explanation why God would send a flood judgment, not just on the human race, But God sent a flood judgment on the DNA of the animal species. People need to understand that. God is not cruel. He's not destroying animals. But the uh, uh, fallen angels, which need host bodies in order to exist in the earth, were experimenting with animal reproduction. I can see people going, well, gee, this guy is just really out there. No, I'm not out there because if you read about how the sons of God looked upon human women with sexual desire and made them with them. That term in Genesis, the sons of God, is the Benai Elohim, which, which means specifically fallen angels. So in Genesis, it tells us the fallen angels are having sexual reproduction with women. And then people take the scripture out of context, you know, like being as the angels of heaven, you know, not being able to reproduce. But they, don't, they didn't take the, the scripture in context. Then, if we read the book of Jude, Jude very clearly makes reference to what's called an extra-biblical book, which would be the book of Enoch. Normally we would not read the book of Enoch because it's an extra-biblical book. It's not part of the scriptures.
0: Well, it's interesting Peter and Jude alluded to it.
1: Exactly. So when when Peter and Jude give us permission to look at the book of Enoch when, when it comes to this issue of fallen angels mating with human women, Then God is giving us permission to look into the book of Enoch. We look in the book of Enoch and we read the detailed account of how the fallen angels descended on Mount Hermon, gave technology and occult power to mankind. They mated with human women and produced this Nephilim race, which is key in this transhumanism. That's why Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will be in the days of the coming of the son of man. He's talking about the return of the Nephilim. So isn't it interesting The transhumanists are experimenting, attempting to make God-men, and it's highly possible they already have uh, in their laboratories, they've already accessed this Nephilim DNA. I don't know where they got it from. Frozen caves of, of dead bodies with Nephilim DNA. I mean, if, if uh, the, the burial cloths of the pharaoh, for example, if the pharaohs were part, or let's say the pharaohs were Nephilim, Uh, Then it's very possible you could have got, because they preserved their bodies, you could have got the DNA of a Nephilim from one of these ancient uh, uh, archaeological digs, brought it into the laboratory and, and reproduced the DNA of a Nephilim.
0: The Bible is really all about protecting the human genome, as in such a way that redemption through Jesus Christ. In other words, the fallen angels' efforts were to corrupt the human genome so there would not be a pure human Messiah born. Of course, Satan managed to corrupt the human genome first through Eve and secondly through the Nephilim. Redemption is always associated in the context of seed, and genetics is synonymous with seed and redemption, so it's interesting, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's very interesting because you see that reference in Genesis talking about the seed of the woman, et cetera. So right there in Genesis, you talk God's talking all about seed, and you see God's emphasis on these genealogical tables that we think are boring, and sometimes they are boring. You know, so and so begot so and so, who begot so and so, and it's ad nauseum throughout the Bible. Why is God giving these detailed genealogical genetic DNA records? Because it's exactly what you said and then when we go into uh, things like uh, how we're born again uh, we invite Christ into our life and then we become the new man or woman when the Spirit of God comes into our inner being and regenerates us making us born again and that's the only way you can get into heaven but the human race which is the genetic descendants of Adam and Eve is fallen So unless you're regenerated by the Spirit of God and you have the seed of God's Word coming into you, making you alive in Christ, you can't enter into heaven. So you're right. You know, the whole story of Noah and the flood is a DNA, digital, genetic, holographic event. When when Joshua and Caleb are are commanded by God to go into the promised land and take it over, what they had to do, because it said there was giants in the land, uh, what that was is that Canaan, was filled with giants, but they weren't human giants. Canaan was filled with the Nephilim tribes, the the the, Girgashites, the Jebusites, uh, so on and so forth. The Canaanites; these were all Nephilim tribes with Nephilim DNA, and that's why God said to, to Joshua and Caleb, "You got to destroy them because they they were soulless people. They were they, they were the Nephilim." So God is very important with the seed and the preserving of the seed, and. I think if you you gloss over that when you study the Bible and you don't really dig it open like you were talking about, you're going to miss one of the most powerful truths there is in the Bible.
0: Well, and the importance of all of this is really that we have arrived at the time spoken about by Christ, create these empires and a slave race that would make... Aldous Huxley, Mr. Eugenicist, salivate over, and the whole mythology narrative is filled with these demigods and their actions and their offsprings, and the flood came because this whole earth had degenerated into a a zoo, a morphology of terror and corruption, really, didn't it?
1: Yeah, you're right, Sheila, and and... If you look at what's happening on a global level, and you used a good uh, analogy, you know, the world had degenerated into like a global zoo, very animalistic, barbaric. Well, we're approaching, we're in that time right now. I'm talking about perversion. I'm not talking about what people traditionally call perversion. I'm talking about barbaric, violent sexual acts that are off the charts the degradation, the cruelty of man to man, the cruelty to little children and human sex trafficking is just, it's just, it's, it's difficult to wrap your mind around it. God is not going to sit there and wink at it much longer. I mean, we're at the same point Sodom and Gomorrah was at and at the time of Noah was at. And, and when I say the same time as Sodom and Gomorrah was at, Most Christians don't get it. They focus in on one particular sin. That is not why Sodom and Gomorrah got judged. If anything, the root sin of Sodom and Gomorrah was that they were attempting to rape angels. So the account of Sodom and Gomorrah is about with with Lot and the two angels that came in there was that the, the, the men of Sodom were attempting to have angelic human sex, which the women... Of Sodom and Gomorrah were involved in, as well as the men. So they were attempting to rape angels. That's the explanation why Lot gives this angry mob of men. You see, the evangelical culture has tried to make this simply, you know, well, the homosexuals are the reason. Well, that's not exactly true. First of all, if these men were were quote homosexuals, then why did Lot offer his daughters to them and say, you can do anything you want to my daughters. If those men had chosen to have sex with Lot's daughters, by the time they were finished with them, his daughters would have been dead by morning. And then it also says that all the men and women of Sodom and Gomorrah gathered around to watch. So this tells you that the women of Sodom were involved in this uh, at least from the spectator uh, standpoint, involved in this thing. And then the real sin here was that they were attempting to rape angels. So one of the root sins of Sodom was this angelic human sexual activity. And that is what Jesus referred to when he said, as it was in the days of Lot, so it will be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So we see this explosion of novels Uh, of of girls, you know, and men writing about their sexual encounters with demons. And and many of these books are bestsellers. So we're in the days of Lot. We're in the days of Noah. And we're going to hit that crossover point where God's judgment will occur and God will redeem his people supernaturally as he did in ancient uh, Egypt. But uh, this is all coming a lot quicker than people realize.
0: Well, you're so right. It is coming quicker. And that's why it's so important for people to snap out of this dystopic trance. And I think your book, Mass Awakening, really is a fantastic way to do that. Paul, for people that don't yet have Mass Awakening, and I highly recommend that if you don't have it, get this book, folks, what is the best way to get it?
1: Well, the best way to get it is to go to paulmaguire.us, and it's all one word. Maguire's M C G U I R E, paulmaguire.us. They can order it there. I don't allow the book to be sold on Amazon or any of the rest of that stuff. So they get it at paulmaguire.us, and if they do it quickly, there's a special going on in the next couple of days. They can get it like $10 off.
0: Well, I really want to encourage people to do that. That is a great deal for that book. And we are really looking forward to The Babylon Code. When is that coming out, Paul?
1: The Babylon Code officially comes out in October. It's going to be a massive release with it. They can actually pre order it now. And we're going to make a feature film to go along with it. It's being published by the fourth largest publisher in the world. And it takes a lot of the themes that you and I just discussed, but it presents them in a way that a mass secular as well as Christian audience can accept. And quite frankly, I'm surprised at the reception it's had already. I didn't really think that the stuff that you and I discussed, which is incorporated in the book, would be well-received by the media gatekeepers, but but God has given us favor and a lot of surprising people who raved about the book. I was really surprised by that. I mean, I was really wow. surprised.
0: There's never been a time ever that is so important to really press into the deeper things of God. And Paul, thank you so much for all the incredible work you do. And thank you so much for your time. It's always such a pleasure to have you on this show.
1: Sheila, thank you for having me on. And may the Lord bless you and guide you and never give up uh, the dream that God's put uh, in your heart. Keep going for it and God will make a way where there is no way because he specializes in that. (laughs)
0: he certainly does specialize in that folks that was Paul McGuire again his website is paulmcguire.us do bookmark his site and get a copy of his books thank you so much for tuning into the broadcast tonight good night and God bless